Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 322. Royal Caribbean rewards its most loyal cruisers with benefits and perks. At the highest level is Pinnacle, which is a tier of rewards few will ever reach. Today, we talk to a cruiser who just reached the top of Crown and Anchor Society and talks with us about what becoming a Pinnacle cruiser is all about. Here we go. You know, after a few Royal Caribbean cruises, I think we all start looking at the Crown and Anchor Society because we're like, oh, look, there's an opportunity not only to earn certain rewards by being loyal to Royal, but also enjoy certainly uh, some of the benefits of moving up in the statuses and the tiers. And I think we all look at it and we say, oh, wow, we're at gold. All right. This is great. Moving up to, to platinum and ooh, emerald. Nice. And then you look at diamond and you think you've really made it in life. But some of us, very few of us, in fact, at some point may reach pinnacle status. And pinnacle status is the uppermost limit of Royal Caribbean's Crown and Anchor Society, and it is 700 points in the system. And many of you probably listening right now are like, okay, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> but for some people, it is possible. And actually today's guest has just reached 700 points. It's actually someone that I've gotten to know quite well over the years. Great colleague, good support of everything we do over here. It is, of course, Ken Jarvis from rcperiscopers.live. Welcome, Mr. Jarvis. Thank you so much, Matt. Really excited to be here. And wow, I can't believe it. I hit 700. Unbelievable. It's incredible, dude. Uh, first of all, congratulations on that, because that is no easy feat. Well, you know, it's funny how I, I never chased points. I just really have this addiction called cruising and being <laughs> in love with cruising. And you know, it's funny, because I think back, right? My first cruise was in... 2001 on Voyager of the Seas. And if you remember on Voyager back then, it said like no vacation on earth. I yep. instantly fell in love with cruising. Never forget walking in. I can tell you the cabin number I had. That was before they even had uh, the current way they label cabins now. So I had a category C cabin, which would be a junior suite now, 1624. And I remember opening that door and just being amazed at how great the room looked. And then when we started to move out of Miami, I, it was just, it was amazing. Completely fell in love with cruising back then. It, it really is incredible how much has changed. And I think so many of us have similar experiences, Ken, where we, you know, we started out and you probably had that moment where you, like you just described, where it's like, you kind of get it and you, and you really want more of it. Was that kind of, you, you talked about obviously your first cruise, but did you then, were you instantly hooked from the get-go? So it was funny because I did three very, very quickly. So probably within eight months, I did three. And then work stuff and family stuff, I literally did not cruise again until 2009. And in 2009, I jumped on, um, I believe it was Liberty of the Seas for a family cruise. And I said, where have I been all these years? I just like re-fell in love with cruising again. And that is really when I started to do the multiple cruises per year. So I really started out kind of like four or five a year. And it was never really to get points. It was just because I loved cruising. And really, when you think about the status, I looking at that Diamond Lounge and saying, hey, what is going on in there? I, <laughs> I was so happy when I turned Diamond. But really, after that, 
it was never I, I never started to just chase points. It was just I wanted to cruise. And as I got a little older, I was able to start doing more longer cruises because I would I would most of the time do seven. I would do four sevens and then maybe two or three three nights wasn't a huge fan of the smaller ships they had doing the three nights not like now where they have the the fantastic <laughs> navigator and uh, and mariner and then so it really wasn't until i hit 500 that i said wow maybe pinnacle is not that far off yeah, that's, that's what i got because you're you're, you're, the way you're describing it reminds me a lot, quite frankly, of, of how I felt about it. Because for me, when I first started cruising, you heard all about Diamond, right? Diamond, yes. Diamond, 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 Diamond Lounge, Diamond Drinks. And, you know, that was that was the pinnacle in lowercase p of, right. I think, for a lot of folks that they want to reach Diamond. Because the amount of benefits you get as a Diamond cruiser is fairly significant. Uh, yes. You know, the, the complimentary drinks, the Diamond Lounge. Those are both really significant, uh, you know, perks that you get. So, and, and when I hit Diamond, and then Diamond Plus to a lesser extent, I was like, all right, I'm done. This is, no, you know, this is all I need. I'm not, because to go, f you know, where at Diamond, below 200 points to 700 points right. is a lot of points there. And certainly, I felt that way. Do you? And you've spoken to other pinnacles. Do you kind of feel that? You know, a lot of people go through the same motion where they kind of say, OK, well, when we get there, we'll get there. Well, you know what? It's, it's that's exactly it, Matt. And you know what's so interesting, which people forget that 340 mark is very, very important because that's where you get the 150 percent single supplement. So although it's not a level 340 cruise points has a lot of significance, especially if you, you know, you want to do a couple of cruises alone, but don't want to pay double occupancy. Yeah. One other good perk at 340 is also meal with an officer. So they will have, and all ships do it differently. I've had meals with an officer where it was just me and the staff captain or me and the hotel director. And then I've had, you know, we're at a table with 40 people and different officers at all the tables. So 340 was really cool for the single supplement. And again, I wasn't point chasing until I got to 500. And what the funny thing about, my, I guess, you know, when you have a lot of, when you have a lot of cruises, most of us have spreadsheets, right? <laughs> That's right. My spreadsheet was all about the crystal blocks. So huh. I wanted to make sure that I got the blocks on the ships that I really liked because I thought that would be a good memento for my favorite ships. Interesting. Interestingly enough, when I hit 500 and I said, well, how many points did I get last year? It had been an 85 cruise point year. So I said, wow, well, what do I have booked? And this was 2018. When when you finished the, the spreadsheet and it showed me it getting to 600 points, then Pentacle's really, really in sight. I have a milestone birthday coming up in December where I turned 50. And I said, wow, wouldn't it be great to hit Pentacle on my 50th birthday cruise? So that was the plan. Now, un <laughs> unfortunately, uh, there were some bachelor parties thrown in. There were some weddings thrown in. And then Hurricane Dorian, I was expecting to get six points, and I ended up getting 15. That made me turn pinnacle a little off schedule. But I'll tell you, it was really fantastic to be uh, 
involved in Michael Poole's wedding and turning pinnacle last weekend with you on board too, on board the Mariner. I'll tell you, it was really, really exciting. Yeah, so there's some interesting things that I picked up on. Now, I knew this, but I don't think the audience did. Because I think when you hear Pinnacle, I hate to say it, there is a stereotype that they're typically retirees. That's pretty much the... I, I don't think that's an unfair stereotype to, to, to repeat. I'm not trying to make fun of them. But but you just mentioned you, you're about to turn... Happy early birthday, by the way. Uh, a 50, which is obviously very young. So, uh, you know, that I think for some folks, this can be very surprising. And, and if it's still not surprising to you, I also want to point in, put in perspective. Ken just hit over, he's just a smidge over 700 now. I am yep. at two, with the new one that's about to come here, I think 271 I will be at. So you can see this is not like, you know, a hop, skip, and a jump away from me. I'm still very much far, far away. And it's, it's interesting because you're not a retiree. You haven't no. been, you know, cruising uh, your entire life. Certainly, you talked about the beginning of it, just less than twenty years. So that's fairly significant, I think. And also, I gotta say, I think that's also representative of the uh, of I think cruising today of of the fact that you know the old stereotype was cruising is for the newlywed and the nearly dead, right? That's the old saying. And that's not the case anymore. And it is for folks who, whether you know, people of of, of both of our ages that really love cruising a lot. So I'm telling you, what I love about cruising is that it's for all ages. When you, I, I love doing family cruises too, where I have 80 year olds and I have 13 year olds, and there's something for everybody. If you want to be busy on a ship, you can be busy. If you just want to sit on the balcony or sit in the solarium or sit by the pool and do nothing, cruising is perfect for you. And then look, look how great Adventure Ocean is. Look at perfect day at Coco Cay. You're not going to have older people going down those slides, right? You're going to have <laughs> young people really having experiences. So I will tell you, uh, I had was able to have dinner with the hotel director on my pinnacle sailing. And I mean, I was significantly younger than everybody at the table. They were so welcoming and so kind that it was just really fantastic. And, you know, to me, being pinnacle is being you're an ambassador, you are, you know, you, you're supposed to be helping out the new people and the people who don't have as, as much experience as you and really, really, you know, your brand brand uh, ambassador. I love Absolutely. Royal Caribbean. I love, you know, I love their ships, although I'm a little disappointed that Odyssey didn't come to Bayonne. I'm not <laughs> sure why you Florida people need a cold weather ship, but I'll, I'll get past that. <laughs> Please don't lump me in with Brandon. We're we're kind of people. <laughs> but cruising cruising is great for everybody. And you yes. see as Royal is definitely getting younger, right? And the experiences are really for younger generation. I think that's great. You just can't have us older people on there. You need the full range of people and and that's how you meet great people. Absolutely. You know, I, I want to talk about the lead up to being pinnacle. So you notice it in your spreadsheet, as you mentioned earlier, that, oh, I'm getting close. Talk to us about what happened in these, I don't even know when to start. I mean, when did Royal take notice? I mean, do you, do you get an email or a letter like, hey, Mr. Jarvis, we're seeing you're approaching pinnacle. Uh, is there, how much, what's the pomp and circumstance like? So it's very funny that you say that, right? Because there is no pomp and circumstance. I was stuck getting on, the last cruise at six ninety nine, and when I got on, something very interesting happened. I immediately went to next cruise to book a cruise uh, for next year, and 
you know, they always start the same way. What's your cabin number? I gave him my cabin number and he stood up and said, Mr. Jarvis, we've been waiting for you. Congratulations. I'd like to make myself available to you if you need anything during the sailing. And I was like, whoa, sit down. That, I just want to like, book a crew. That's like the end of Charlie the Chocolate Factory. When yes. he goes, Charlie, my boy, you've done it. Yes. You've won. So I go to the loyalty ambassador because I didn't want to celebrate on Mariner. I wanted to celebrate in December when I'm on Oasis because I have a group of 35 people going to celebrate my birthday with me. So I, I go to the loyalty ambassador and I guess he had seen my picture from when I took the picture getting on because I walked up and he stood up, came around, gave me a hug, said, I've been waiting to meet you. Congratulations. I said, hey, I'd like to delay if possible because I'm traveling by myself now and I had planned to celebrate in December. However, Dorian gave me too many cruise points and he says, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. We're going to have two celebrations for you. We're going to have a celebration with all the pinnacles who are on board and the captain on the bridge tomorrow. And then I will send an email to Shoreside to make sure at the top tier event on the seven day cruise, you're recognized there. So I was like, wow, okay, that sounds fantastic. Now, we did have a medical emergency where we had to divert to Fort Lauderdale. So they did cancel that celebration. So for me, that's absolutely perfect. Now, the next day, I start getting bottles of champagne. Congratulations from the hotel director. Congratulations from the loyalty ambassador. Congratulations from the crown and anchor. Then I get an invite inviting me to the dinner with the hotel director. And that was spectacular because on the menu, when I opened it up, it said, Kenneth, welcome to the Pineapple Club. So I thought that was fantastic. And I took a picture with the loyalty ambassador and the hotel director. That e- It was a great dinner, too. I mean, just fantastic food. And the hotel director was absolutely fantastic. And all the pinnacles on board, they were very, very kind. Um, interestingly enough, when I went back to the room to go to bed that night, that's when it really hit me. Because under the door was the form to fill out for my pin, my pinnacle pin. So that's oh. when it really hit me. I'm like, wow, this is really real. So... Just really, really a great experience on on Mariner, and really looking forward to celebrating with friends and family in uh, in December for my fiftieth. Yeah, it, that, and that's a fantastic story. I'm so glad to hear that they were able to uh, accommodate you in your request because obviously you want to make this a special event. You you set up a cruise specifically for this, so uh, even better that they were able to accommodate you. That's awesome. You know, talk to us about a little bit about. The uh, you know when you, when you were leading up to it and and you finally hit because you hit 700 on the first night of that Mariner cruise which by the way if you were listening to last week's episode that's the sailing that uh, Ken is talking about right there yeah so uh, that's exactly the sailing that we that we were on where that occurred I, I mean I know you're kind of deferring and it must have been you know to, to the next sailing to celebrate it must have been a little like surreal in that way oh it definitely was because. It, it was funny, right? Because I get on, there's nothing, no champagne, no letters. 
right when I hit 700, then every time I went back to my room, there was something, a bottle of champagne, invite, more food, the, the crew recognizing me. So it was it was really, really fantastic. And, and I, I can't wait to see, because, you know, on the larger ships where they have the top tier events, they usually roll out the red carpet too, but I'm just so happy to have to have you know crossed that 700 milestone, and uh, it's funny to sign on to my Crown and Anchor account and, and see it says Pinnacle Club. I remember when it was gold, right? <laughs> I remember <laughs> when I just started out, and really, you know, the seven the points don't really mean anything. The million dollar memories that I have of sailings and all of the friends that I have made through cruising is what really the important thing is. So I, I try not to lose sight on like what your status is. When I think about all my friends that I have from cruising, it's just absolutely amazing over this, as I called it, the race to 700. It's just incredible, the friends that I've made. You know, it's, it's interesting. A lot of what you're, you're talking about, where you're saying, you know, it's about the friends, it was never about the points, and it's it's about that. It reminds me, pinnacle status in general kind of reminds me a lot about people who dream about becoming a millionaire one day. Because what do you usually hear from millionaires? It's like, well, it's not about the money. It's the, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness and all those things. And everyone else is like, okay, come on, seriously. But, you know, what is it really like? It must be awesome, right? But it's kind of, what you're saying kind of reminds me of that because, you know, it it, it isn't about just attaining status. I mean, yeah, you get some extra benefits, uh, of being a pinnacle member, uh, and there's some really nice gifts actually that come your way <laughs> with some uh, complimentary sailings and some discounts and lots of cool things. But it, it's it, it's like you said. I think if you're looking at crown and anchor status as a ladder and it's simply a means to an end, I don't think you're gonna find what you're looking for at the end of that ladder. It is really about you cruise because you love to cruise, you enjoy it, and the fact you're getting to 700 points is icing on the cake. That's exactly it, Matt. It is definitely icing on the cake. And to think back, I, I can't I can't believe how many crew member friends I'm friends with in, in Facebook and how many friends I have. So it's definitely exactly what you said. It's just remembering the good memories and the people that you've met along the way. It's just really fantastic. Now, I think we also have an obligation to help people coming up. So that's one thing that I definitely plan on doing, being more active in the in the blogs and the boards that I can, you know, use some of my knowledge and my experience to make their lives easier because I've had a number of high status friends who have helped me, made suggestions in ports, gave me good places to visit while I was somewhere. And, you know, stuff like that is invaluable, especially to new cruisers. I remember sitting on um, Mariner and sitting in Playmakers and a, a new guy, first cruise, he didn't understand how the drink package worked. So I said, oh, let me explain it to you. You know, I didn't have to do that, but I remember when I didn't know what to do and somebody said, hey, let me help you. So that's really the the kind of pinnacle that I want to be in terms of helping people and using my knowledge and my experiences because I've, I've cruised all over and really helping people coming up behind me. 
That's awesome, dude. I mean, just it, it's it's so I, I know a lot of us certainly appreciate that. And it's so great to be able to share that. And I think your outlook on it is just I mean, from the start from the start when you were talking about, you know, not about attaining status or just purely for the sake of attaining status. And obviously, you know, sharing with other people. I mean, that that's that's what makes cruising so much fun. And, and quite frankly, the community we have here as really all about that. So uh, props to you for, for that. And obviously a huge congratulations on what is an a incredible achievement because it is not easy to go on to attain 700 points in, in crown and anchor today so uh my, my my hat is tipped to you sir thank you so much matt thank you for everything you've done along the way too as the uh, as the official source of everything <laughs> royal <laughs> before i let you go by the way legally speaking i have to correct you i'm the unofficial not. source of that <laughs> Um, before I let you go, uh, since it is your first time on the podcast, I want to let our audience get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask okay. you a couple of quick, uh, rapid fire questions, Michael K style. To, right, so go. that way, first thing that comes to mind, so you can uh, share with us. So, uh, number one, since you just sailed on Mariner of the Seas, what's your best tip for someone going on Mariner for their first time? Mariner is an excellent ship. Make sure you get your compass and circle everything that you want to do because there's so many things going on. If you don't take the time to research up front, you're going to miss out on a lot of great experiences. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Oh, that's a hard one. I love, love, love Coastal Kitchen. I love Chops, and I love Jamie's. So if I had to pick one, I'm going to go Coastal Kitchen. There you go. Preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Oh, peach daiquiri with Zacapo rum. Don't let them use that well rum. You want dark rum in a peach daiquiri. It is the best curly drink you could ever have. <laughs> Favorite port of call to visit? Oh, boy. I love St. Martin. Love uh, Kusadasi in Turkey. I'm going to say it's a tie for both of those. All right. And lastly, now I have this written down, favorite song on the radio or iPod today, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to adjust it for you, sir. Favorite song you have on your radio when you're driving down the Florida coast in your convertible that you've rented for the week. What's the, what's, what's your jam you got on there? So I think back to 2001 when I was on uh, Voyager of the Seas, you've got to play Lust for Life on your way to a port because that was the song that all of the old Royal commercials used to play lust for life. You know, if you ever, it's by Iggy pop. If you ever look up the lyrics to it, it has nothing to do with cruising, exactly. but it sounds great. Exactly. It's very catchy. <laughs> well, Love Mr. Jarvis, song. thank you for joining us here. Really appreciate it. Congratulations yet again on reaching pinnacle status. And I hope we get to sail again sometime soon. Excellent. Thank you so much, Matt. Appreciate you uh, having me on. All right, let's answer your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where we dive into the email inbox and answer some of the questions and emails you've sent me over the course of the week. And for this segment, we're actually doing something a little special to begin with. Last week's episode, I asked for Royal Caribbean Confessions. We had an email uh, for somebody who sent it in and said, you know, what's something that we do that we kind of know we shouldn't be doing and yet we do it anyway, call it a guilty pleasure or confession, whatever. And we had a couple to share on this week's episode. And the first one is from Brian Grantham, who actually sent in the idea for the Royal Caribbean Confessions and writes, uh, thanks for taking my idea for a confession show. On top of my original email, I must confess, number one, I've never been to the ice skating rink either for a show or for skating. Number two, 
we never go to the nightly shows in the theater. Number three, my wife and I do not like the private islands because they feel too artificial and like extensions of the ship. If you're, it's like you're getting not getting to an experience a new island and its people. And number four, we once booked an 8 a.m. flight in San Juan for the day the cruise arrived in port, and we made it. Please forgive me. Oh, Brian, <laughs> this is. Ooh, some of these are unforgivable. The first one, not going to the ice skating rink. You should try it out. There's, no, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna take umbrage with that one. You should just, you're, you're missing out is what you're doing. Number two, we never see the nightly shows in the theater. Never. I mean, I'm not the world's biggest theater fan, but they do a pretty darn good job. I wouldn't say you just have to go see all of them. The production shows are where you want to start with. Number three, your wife and I and you do not like the private islands. Oh man, it's, yeah, okay, it's not the most authentic thing in the world. I don't think cruise ships are either, but I think it's a fun day. I like fun days. Some days you go and you explore history and culture and you learn about the world. Other days you put your feet in the sand, you have a, a pina colada, and you enjoy life and you relax a little bit. And the last one, 8 a.m. Fly, flying in the same day of the cruise. Oh man, that would give me such anxiety to a point where even... Uh, uh, literally until I got to the terminal, I wouldn't feel good about it, but <laughs> got us off to a good start here. Our next confession is from Stevie Wright. I always go to an art auction and always end up buying art. You know, if I can look at the glasses half full side of this confession, I will say that as long as you understand the issues with the art, primarily that it may not, whatever valuation they give, I think it's just completely made up and has no bearing in the, in the real world. But if you just see a piece of art and you think, hey, that'll look good in my house and I don't mind getting it in a couple of weeks, hey, that's fine. Uh, but beyond that, if you really think you're getting an investment and this is going to put your kids through college because it's going to, you know, uh, its value is going to go up over the next couple of years, uh, that's crazy. But uh, hey, as long as you understand the score when you go in there, no problem there. And our last confession this week is to from is from uh, Dan Paul Marriott. My real coming confession is I've never eaten in a specialty restaurant. The main dining room, Winjamer, and other free options meet my needs. Keep up the great work on the podcast. Dan, I don't think that's a problem. I mean, I know that especially restaurants get a lot of attention. I certainly give them a lot of attention. But I will tell you that it's not the end-all be-all. And if you're not going there, it's not a mistake. Uh, but it is interesting that you haven't tried it out yet. And I tell people all the time, you know, if you wouldn't say, should I try one? I say, you know, try one or two. You know, work it in on like a seven-night cruise. Do one or two. Don't go crazy. You don't have to buy a dining package necessarily in order to enjoy it all. Take it as you, as you see fit. But hey, if you're enjoying the complimentary venues, nothing wrong with that at all. Next, we have an email from Blake writes, first, Matt, just a big thank you. I found so much information, very helpful. Keep up the good info. My question is, Royal Caribbean is looking, is Royal Caribbean looking to have, or have they have itineraries for both Coco Key and Labadee? Also, we sell out a Bayonne Cape Liberty. I understand Anthem of the Seas is leaving. What ship is taking her place? So uh, there are actually itineraries already that are going to be stopping at Coco Key in Labadee. The one that comes to my mind is Explorer of the Seas in 2021. I know there's some itineraries that stop at both of Royal Caribbean's private islands there. There may be others, so keep in mind that. And I think, Blake, as we move down the line here, we may see more of that. In terms of Anthem leaving, that's a half-truth. It is leaving for the summer in 2020 to go over to the UK, but she's coming back in the in the after-the-summer season. And in her place for the summer 2020, Oasis of the Seas will be selling out of Cape Liberty. So a little bit of a new option for you. I know a lot of folks really excited to have an Oasis-class ship sailing out of there. Next, we have an email from John and family from Alberta, Canada. My family and I love watching your YouTube videos and listening to the podcast. We're doing a Hawaii cruise on Ovation of the Seas in May 2020. 
it will leave from Honolulu and end in Vancouver. First, will you be doing a YouTube video with info on Royal Caribbean Hawaiian Cruise? And second, could you give any info on pier hotels near the pier, etc.? Any info would be appreciated as we've never been to Hawaii. John, thanks for the email. Uh, I will probably not be covering it just because it's such an infrequent option. It is only, Royal Caribbean really only sells to Hawaii these days, primarily for the example you just gave, John. It's for repositioning cruises between Australia and somewhere in North America. So you're talking about a cruise or an itinerary that goes maybe, you know, two times a year, really, right? Over to North America and then back to Australia. And uh, so <laughs> there's not a whole lot of demand for it. Not, that doesn't, please don't take that as an insult to your original question. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't have this information on here. Uh, I got a couple of resources for you. Number one, I would suggest you uh, post this exact question over on our message boards at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Uh, there's a great amount of folks over there who have a great communal knowledge. And I think if you post that there, John, you'll probably get a pretty good answer. In fact, I know actually somebody on the message boards, uh, a very good friend, uh, Twangster is his username on the message boards. He's actually, as of the recording of this podcast anyway, sailing on Ovation of the Seas, doing this exact repositioning cruise. So you can also read his live blog, which is over there as well. So that'd be what I would do. And of course, if anybody listening to this has any good information about, you know, uh, piers or hotels near the pier, uh, they're doing a, a, this is Honolulu. Uh, you know, that would be a, I'm certainly a good help to John, probably others as well. Because if I've learned one thing is that if one person's asking it, there's many more who are wondering the same thing. So thanks for the email, John. Next, we have an email from Greif, uh, the landlubber from Tennessee. Matt, love the podcast. As I've been doing my research for our next cruise, I've noticed the most of our round trip starting in the same port, but some are one way, like starting in Boston and end in Montreal. I'm sure living in Florida, these don't make sense for you and your family since you have to drive, you, you can drive to the port. But for those of us that are landlocked flyers, do you have any thoughts of the advantages and disadvantages of each type? It seems moderately rare to have a one-way cruise, but it seems like it would be a good way to get to more places to see in time since you aren't going in a circle. What are your thoughts? Greif, thanks for the email, dude. This is a really good question, and you are absolutely right about your observations here in the sense that if you're doing a repositioning cruise, that's what they're technically called, right? They start off in one port and in another port. They, You can see more things than you would in a round-trip cruise, a closed-loop cruise like you see you know harmony of the season at port canaveral starts there on a saturday or sunday whatever it is and comes back on a saturday or sunday right it's just it's just a constant loop like that the advantage of those particular sailings is you get to see more ports the the one-way sailings the problem is generally speaking for most people is it requires you to be able to get back like as an example let's say you let's use your example the one boston and montreal as an example if you lived in and around boston you drove your car to boston you would park your car, then the cruise ends in Montreal, you have to fly back, get your car, and go back there. Now, of course, you could say, okay, well, I don't live in Boston, I live in Tennessee, so I'd be flying to Boston and then flying home anyway. What's the difference? And in your situation, you're absolutely right. But a lot of people do tend to cruise from ports they can drive to. It's not always the case, but a large assortment of people do that. And it also adds a different cost to it because when you're talking about cruises that begin in one port and in another port, you're also talking about flights, airfare, that are going to be you know two one ways and that complicates things generally. Whether we're talking about logistics or we're talking about price or both, that's kind of where, that's really the issue primarily. Also, I put out a lot of the repositioning crews, not all of them, but most of them tend to be longer sailings. You know, uh, the transatlantics, the classic example, Greif, of one of these, right? where you're talking about a cruise that's probably somewhere between 10 and 14 nights easily. And for a, a lot of Americans primarily, that's a problem. Uh, and, and so, you know, and there's a lot of sea days potentially with these. 
it, it really comes down to, I think this isn't like, you know, right or wrong. This is more of personal preference. You know, what are you looking for? You, you want a lot of sea days? Well, you're going to love a transatlantic repositioning cruise or the one that we talked about earlier that Honolulu to Vancouver sailing as well. So you've got a lot of different choices over there. Um, again, not right or wrong, just a matter of what you're looking to do. So if that excites you, the idea of a Boston to Montreal or any of those other repositioning ones, you should absolutely give it a try. You just have to understand that it may require more footwork on your part to make it all work. Our next email is from Lori Ritz. I just listened to your episode on uh, back on in August, and I feel like I needed to comment on a listener who questioned the $12 limit on the deluxe drink package for alcoholic beverages. I acknowledge that premium liquors were not included. Royal Caribbean was very clear in their package rules. My friends and I noticed right away on our last cruise that a large majority of cocktails were listed at $14 at the R bar. Some of the other bars also had drinks at that price. The selection of $12 drinks were seemed limited. Since the cap for drinks was $12, you have to pay the difference of $14 a drink. However, if you wanted basic cocktails that were not on the menu, like an Aperol Spritz or a Manhattan or a vodka martini, you get those with the package without a problem. I was able to specify the brand of liquor. I wanted as long as it wasn't on the list of included as long as it was on the list of included spirits. So while I was not willing to pay more for the drink package covered, I skipped any $14 cocktails and looked for the $12 cocktails. I don't know if the biggest ships have a different limit, but I was on one of the smaller ships. Lori, thanks for the email. You are right about that. You know, in the last couple of years, Royal has experimented in my observations with these, some menus, the R bar had them, the bamboo room did for a little while, they got rid of it, and the pub on some ships did, and they got rid of it as well. This idea of having some drinks that clearly state they're above the drink package uh, maximum, right? The threshold, if you will, for what the drink package covers. In my observations, if we were to look at these R bar drinks you're talking about, Laurie, the they're not like pina coladas or Manhattans or things like you're talking about there. Not drinks that we all kind of know and have our, our, our staples of drinking. These are original concoctions of one kind or another that are actually many many specific to those restaurants. So it's not to say that if you were to go to a bar, whether it's the R bar or any other bar, and say, I want to have a pina colada, I want to have a rum and coke, and you can specify the liquor, certainly, you know, you would have any problem with that. You would have to literally say, I want this particular drink, the one that's listed here for $14, and then you maybe charge that that difference that you, you talked about there. So uh, you're, you're right, uh, it, it's there, but it's the exception to the rule, not the not the norm. And I think that if anyone who's listening to this and is buying an unlimited drink package, the deluxe beverage package for alcoholic beverages, you will have no problem not paying anything extra for drinks unless you specifically find a menu, like Lori stated here, the R bar and one of the ships she was on, that has a set of drinks. And in the R bar, I think it's about a half dozen drinks that are on there. But again, it's not like they're Man Manhattans or vodka martinis, as Lori pointed out. They are you know, uh, the R-Bar blue-green super-duper uh, girly drink. I don't know. I'm making up names. You know what I mean? Like, it's so specific. It's a, it's an original creation that it comes with that specific price. Now, I will point out, and this may have changed, Rokerman has changed their policy, or the menu options, I should say, over the last couple of years. I've seen these $14 drinks listed on a variety of menus, as I mentioned. I've seen them also been rescinded. It's been kind of a back and forth. I think, quite frankly, they play a game. They want to see, does anybody actually order these? Are we going to make money off these? Or is he just taking up menu space? No one orders them. And it's, you know, and it seems to be the latter. It seems to be no one really orders them because the first thing the bartenders tell you is, hey, by the way, this is going to cost you extra. And I'm sure most people balk at that. I mean, the only reason I have ever ordered them in the past was purely in the name of research. I was like, all right, let me see what the extra few dollars gets me. You know, is it really that great? And it tastes like, you know, every other mixed cocktail you've ever had in your life. But 
you know, to each their own, right? And some different strokes for different folks. So uh, thank you for the email, Lori. It's, it's a good uh, comment about the nature of the drink packages. Next, we have an email from Michaela who writes, thanks so much for doing the podcast in the past. I followed your blog, but hadn't listened to the podcast until recently. I had two cruises planned. Well, technically three, since one is a back-to-back on Mariner in December. So I have a few questions about them. Number one, any tips for doing a back-to-back? She uh, also wants to know suggestions for what to do during turnover day. Do I need to let the cruise line know we're staying on or do they figure it out on their own? So they wish they should know on their own, Michaela. Towards the end of sailing number one, you should get a letter in your stateroom like, hey, you're on with another cruise, next sailing. That's awesome. And they're going to give you instructions. My advice is when it comes to a back-to-back, if you can, if it's not too late, book the same room. It's so much easier if you have the same room booked for both legs because then you just leave your stuff there. You arrive at this certain time. I mean, try to sleep in as much as you can. It's, it's very difficult to do that on the turnaround day. But go to the place you're supposed to be and then enjoy it. I mean, really go to a bar or something. You take advantage of being one of the first people back on board on leg number two. Uh, number two. Uh, Michaela writes, the other cruise is for January 2021, and it's on Celebrity Constellation that's going to be sailing out of Tampa. We've never cruised Celebrity before, but are excited to try it out. My husband and I are in our 30s. We don't have kids, so we're hoping the crowd isn't too old for us. But either way, we're looking forward to a relaxing experience. This cruise goes to Labadee, Grand Cayman, and the ABC Islands. First question about this is one about Labadee. We'll be in a sky suite. I've, I've seen discussed on different forums that there may be a suite-only area in Labadee, which there is. Have you been to it? And if it exists, is it nice or should we try to find something else to do in Labadee? Uh, we just like to relax on the beach, but I like the sign. My husband likes shade. Is there food and drink service there? Anything else we should know about? Yeah, so Barefoot Beach is the beach you're talking about. It's a sweet only area. Now, again, this is for Royal Caribbean. I have no idea how Celebrity handles this because Celebrity is Royal Caribbean's sister company. I'm assuming if it's the same thing, yes, you should absolutely go there. It's a it's limited to just sweet guests and pinnacle guests, I think. And they have cabanas you can book for an additional fee, or you can simply enjoy plenty uh, you know complimentary uh, seating. And there are seating both in the sun and the shade. You'll have no problems at all. You'll love it. If you like to relaxing on the beach, everything you talked about, you'll love Barefoot Beach. I would definitely go there. There is a also a private uh, dining area just for sweet guests there. There is drink service. Uh, you'll have no problems. You're, you're going to love it, in fact, Michaela. So really good choice. And lastly, we've never been to the ABC Islands, and there doesn't seem to be much info about it, about what to do when you're there, as I'm used to where we're going to more frequently traveled islands. How far in advance are shore excursions usually put out on the cruise planner? Well, we've never booked this far out, so it's weird to me not to have all the options there. You know, for first of all, you're talking about a cruise that is in uh, January 2021, so you are more than a year away. Michaela, you got plenty. First of all, you know I love to plan this far in advance. Always one of my mantras, but you're really far in advance here. You got plenty of time. Number two, shore excursions in general don't really sell out a whole lot in advance, especially in the Caribbean. There are some exceptions here and there, but really and truly, I don't think you'll have that much of an issue. Uh, to answer your question, Michaela, this episode's coming out right now in the beginning of October of 2019. So you've got uh, a year and some change until you're sailing. Honestly, you could go another year, October 2020, and start planning your excursions. They'll have plenty of time to do that. But my advice is number one, you're still too far out. I mean, at least a year out. And even then you're probably maybe closer to nine months or so. You'll start seeing a lot more excursion options there. My advice to you at this stage, Michaela, is just, you know, go on message boards, Google, you know, find things, you know, top things to do in Aruba, Bonaire or Curacao and, and kind of get an idea, a ballpark idea of what to expect. And then as you get closer and short excursions become more uh, tenable as an option for you to do, you book them and you start figuring that out. But I would say you should have something booked ahead of time, but don't feel like you need to book this also the whatever is 18 months were out before your cruise. It's not like that at all. In terms of what there is to do in Aruba, Bonaire and Curacao, at the heart of it, 
in the water activities. Swimming and diving are a big one. Snorkeling, I mean, Bonaire especially, it's what it's known for. Aruba is known for its beaches, Palm Beach, Eagle Beach, as well as, you know, diving, scuba and all that. Curacao is another beach one. There's some great culture in town as well. Um, so, and, and I think you're not terribly into scuba diving or cave exploring and things of that nature. So I would look at it really as beach days, you know, and, and Aruba and Curacao are easy to do beach days. Bonaire is difficult because Bonaire's beaches were not very good last time I was there. I'm going back to all three places in December of this year, Michaela. So look for some information on the blog about what I do in each port. Perhaps that'll help you get an idea of what to expect for your particular sailing. And our last email is from Chris Harrow, who writes, after a few years cruising with MSC, I'm coming back to Royal Caribbean and selling Freedom of the Seas in May 2020 after its Royal Amplified Refurb. I noticed in the cruise planner they now offer an unlimited specialty dining package. Have you used this package before? If so, what are the limitations, pros, and cons? Chris, in a nutshell, yes, I have used them. In a nutshell, the unlimited dining package allows you to enjoy just that, unlimited specialty dining on board your cruise. If the dining, if the specialty restaurants are open, you can go there and enjoy it, including your package. So, and it'll save you a ton of money if you compare to trying to eat at the same amount of restaurants without the package, if you just pay the covered charge. The downside to it, in my opinion, is that it's a lot of food. I mean, I've done unlimited dining packages on a couple different cruises, and every time you, you kind of start running into like a food coma feeling where it's like, you don't even want to eat anymore. It's just, it's so much food that comes with especially restaurant meal. You know, one, you know, here and there, hey, that's fine, that's great. But to have, you know, lunch, dinner, lunch, dinner, lunch, dinner, you know, obviously this is on sea days, you have lunches, but it, it becomes a lot. And in a lot of cases, we were just simply going there because we had the package. So it's kind of one of those, you know, you're, you may feel a little uh, overwhelmed and it requires some self-control not to go crazy in each of these meals, but it's a fantastic value. You can't go wrong with the value standpoint, Chris. It really boils down to, do you want to eat specialty your entire cruise? If not, Either you skip it completely or maybe get one of the, if, if it's available for your cruise, Chris, a like three night dining package or one of the other options that's not quite unlimited, but still allows you to enjoy some of the um, options that are there. So look at it both ways. But if your concern is that like it's a, you know, it's a mistake or anything like that, far from it. It's just a lot of food. So bring your stretchy pants if you're doing that. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Royal Korean Blog Podcast. Thank you for the emails. Thank you for listening. If you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Until next time, I'm Matt Hodgeberg, and we'll talk again soon.